0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to The Range on the Believe Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. I'm Ralph Fervin, and in baseball, there's something called a five-tool player. It's someone who can hit for average, hit for power, can run, has a great arm, and a solid glove. Basically, that player can do it all. In our years of covering golf equipment, we've come across a lot of talented people, fantastic engineers who lead their products from concept to the consumer. We've spoken with amazing marketers who can tell a club story to the masses, getting you excited for its launch. They put together great projects and they get people excited. But there are very few who can do it all. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by a man who can design, who can grind a wedge as well as anyone in the game, and he understands the golf consumer and how to reach them. It is my distinct pleasure to be joined by the Director of Marketing for Cobra Puma Golf, Jose Miraflor, here on the range. Jose, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. Ralph, thank you for having me on. That's quite an
1: introduction. I've never been compared to a a five-tool baseball
0: guy, and and that's really nice of you. I appreciate it. It's well-earned, and people will learn about that as we talk because uh, we're going to start at the beginning, though. when did golf enter into your life? Wow. Now we're going way back. Um, you know, my parents are both
1: avid golfers. Um, when I was 12 years old, a uh, funny story here, you know, my parents wanted me to take up golf, and I was in baseball, and I was in judo at the time. Um, and uh, I was at the driving range at Witsit Driving Range in North Hollywood. And uh, my mom was taking a lesson and her golf pro came over and said, young man, uh, would you ever take up this game? You seem to have a pretty good swing for somebody who's just starting. And I said, I appreciate it, sir. I'm, I'm into baseball and this is not my thing. I do judo, but, but thank you. And my dad walked over and hit me in the back of the head. And he said, do you know who that was? I go, no, no clue, dad. He goes, that was Roger Dunn. You know, the guy where you buy your golf equipment from, he was an ex-PJ tour player. And he just basically offered to be your coach. And you just told him, no. I said, well, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) But so, you know, fast forward till I was 16, I was nursing a a knee injury and it was uh, swimming and walking rehab. And so I started walking the golf course with my dad when he played nine holes or whatever. And um, he asked me again, you know, you want to hit the ball? And I started taken up the game and actually one of my buddies at school challenged me to join the golf team and I made the team and I was hooked ever since.
0: You say you were hooked early on, right after college you made the decision, this is the industry you want to be in. Yeah, it was
1: actually during college, you know, I, I, I was busy getting my marketing degree. Uh, I, was, um, se- I was selling clothing at a retail store to help make a living because I was living on my own. And uh, one of my guys that I sold to on a consistent basis, to actually three of them all play golf. One of them asked me to coach his wife um, and I gave her six lessons and she beat him. And from then on, all those finance guys became my students and I quickly fell in love with teaching and being in the business of golf. So when I was done with Cal State Northridge, I moved to San Diego and went to the golf academy and became an assistant pro and did all that route um, to, becoming in the, to
0: get in the golf business. Well, and your first entry into the business was you were building clubs for Titleist back in the early 90s.
1: Yeah, you know, at Titleist, I was, my first job was actually talking on the consumer line because I knew enough about equipment to be dangerous. I talked to consumers about, you know, putters and why are they $500 and, you know, wedges and why the different grinds and things like that. And then I moved into custom clubs and you know, um, excuse me, Stock stock clubs and talked to people and took orders. And then I moved my way into the custom department where I talked to a lot of fitters about fitting clubs and taking orders for custom fitting.
0: Eventually you would make your way in 2000, you go to TaylorMade and it, there you did kind of a bit of everything. You worked with irons, you worked with wedges, you worked with putters, as you say, you you understood a lot of it. And so you were able to apply it.
1: Yeah, you know, they, they had me come over, I helped open, put together their first custom fitting department to so help them debug it, how it went, because I had experience at Titleist. And, you know, eight months into it, one of the guys who had known me because I was a tailor-made staffer when I was an assistant pro in the business between 96 and 95 and 97, um, before I went to Titleist, uh, they, they asked me if I would like to become a product marketing person. And I said, sure, you know, what does that entail? And it was really, you know, being underneath guys like John Hoflick, uh, Tom Osaski back in the day was in charge of Metalwoods, and, you know, just helping them do all the stuff that they didn't want to do. So I was a project manager, but I got my first product line to take over in 2001. I did wedges um, and the rack wedges were my gig. You know, and I got to shape them, um, create them. I worked with tour players. I did the grinds for Sergio Garcia that year um, to get him out of his Vokies. Uh, Darren Clark, Retief Gustin, um, Mike Weir, all those guys were the guys that I was grinding wedges for. And then after that, they gave me putters in 2003, um, helped develop what you guys know as what was AGSI face, the, the groove story. In those putters, I'm um, um, on that utility patent. Um, an engineer and I tried to craft this thing of creating more roll, and that was the outcome. And then in 2005, I took over irons and helped shape. Um, I think back then it was R7, R5, R7, and MB shapings and things like that. So,
0: yeah, kind of, quite a lot of uh, product stuff over there at at the TaylorMade side. Now, when you got into the shaping and, and the grinding and and creating, did you revert back to that point of being an instructor and just trying to help people get better? I mean, was that your focus is how do we make it so that people can have clubs they can hit better? I think that's my true love of the game is being able to give
1: people satisfaction, happiness in the things that they do, giving them solutions for things that are hard to do. So you know when when we talk about grinding a wedge, I'll, I'll take a call from somebody and we actually talk for forty five minutes. And I ask them, "What is it you love about your wedge stuff that you have, and what are the shots that you find difficult?" And our our core there is to deliver a grind for this person that keeps what they're doing well, but gives them the ability to slide a wedge under the ball more, the ability to hit. Uh, low shots in that stop but where the leading edge doesn't dig into the ground you know it's just it's just treating the grinds and treating the 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 whole setup for a wedge if you will or an iron um such that it helps them
0: form at a, a better level you executed i mean that's a perfect lead into this you executed one of the coolest things that i've ever seen in my years of covering in the industry While I was in Orlando, you actually walked me through, talked me through the process of essentially fitting myself so that you could then custom build and grind wedges for me while you were in Carlsbad. And the result was they performed fantastically well. I learned then. I mean, that was really the first time that you and I met was in that way that you loved the creation process. Absolutely. It's the love of my game. I I may be vice
1: president in charge of marketing for Cobra and Puma Golf today, but my love is I'm in charge of architecture for the Cobra line. I am down in in, in the trenches with the research and development guys and innovation teams helping to create the next generation of awesomeness from this company. And if you were to ask me if I could only do one thing in life in golf, what would it be? I probably would be saying, I would be helping create the next greatest things by helping people with shapes, technologies, and, and creating, right? That's, that's my love of this game.
0: And I have to imagine that it's always, that there's a point where you are looking at things and you're like, okay, we've done everything. And then something pops in your head and it's like, wait, we could try this. And it's always an incremental little bit of a change that you hope is gonna produce the result that you're really looking for.
1: Yeah that's true and 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 sometimes you have an epiphany and something you know groundbreaking happens and you don't have just an incremental you have a massive revolution instead of an evolution and those are the ones that make some big steps forward for a company you know whether it's a a a a, a face technology that brings you to the next level or or maybe combining things like when we did for a driver, combining aerodynamics and low CG, never been done before. When you do it, there's massive gains. So there's, there's those things of being able to say, what are the things you can combine and make new that's going to help your company sell more
0: by delivering more performance, right? You bring that up and it immediately makes me think, I've watched in recent years with SpaceX and and, and they do their different launch things and they always have a camera on the engineers showing their reaction when there's a takeoff or or there's a landing. I wonder if it can be that way with, with the engineers when you've put together a club and you actually are able to test it and the results are like, whoa, it's doing everything. Yeah, the computer said it would do this. But to actually see the numbers come out is like, yes, yes. You know, I mean, everyone's applauding a proper drive, even if it's just off a machine.
1: Yeah, I don't know if we ever have a camera that shows a bunch of uh, (laughs) Geek Squad guys high-fiving and stuff, you know, when a rocket takes off or when you avert a disaster. But uh, there are some high-fives. There are some, holy cow, did you see that?
0: um and, and, and celebrations to that, to that level, for sure. You talked about getting your degree in marketing. When did you decide that that was a direction that you wanted to go back into? How did that end up happening?
1: You know, you're always going to be a marketing guy once you're a marketing person. Um, I, I think, you know, for me, at, at TaylorMade, I was a product creation manager, right? And, at a, and helping them create next generation wedges, putters, and irons. And, you know, with that, working with marketing teams, helping them develop the story, you're always going to be a product marketing person. Um, I don't think I was ever, like, saying to myself, I want to be in marketing. It's just one of those things that things have fallen on my lap over the years. When I was hired to come over here to Cobra Puma Golf, I was hired to be brought on board as a product creation, product manager for Cobra. Mm-hmm. When, I got to, when I got here, I quickly saw that there was um, some help needed in the marketing department. So I told Bob Fillion at the time, president of Cobra Golf. Now he's the president of all Puma North America. Um, I told him at the time, you need me upstairs here helping first to, to figure out and, and push the direction of marketing, working with the agency. So I spent probably my first two years double duty working 80% marketing, 20% downstairs with the research and development team. When we finally found a a true marketing person to come on board, um, his name was Ian Barrett. Ian came in and he started doing the marketing side and allowed me to move downstairs. And downstairs um, for three years, um, did some really cool stuff with the team, you know, things like bringing the King LTD driver, the, the F6, F7, all those product lines came, came about and it was some really great stuff. And when Bob got promoted to um, president of Puma North America three years ago, I told him, I said, it's gonna be hard for you to watch over marketing. If you want me to, if you need me to, I can move back upstairs and head up the marketing team. Now, let me say this. Our marketing team here are all type A's. We have 13 people that all want to win and I don't really need to do much for them. Mm-hmm. I'm here as their mentor, uh, as somebody to bounce their ideas off of. I have two really strong brand managers, a PR manager, a retail manager, social media manager. They're all super strong and they don't, they don't need me on a daily basis. Um, I we've That's the strength of having a strong team. I can be downstairs ideating with R&D and handling things down there. I could be presenting to accounts because that's my other job that I do. I'm like the club merchant. I present to the accounts with our reps that need my help or want my help. And I take care of all these things. And I have that freedom. I have that that wide uh, bandwidth to do for our company because I have a strong marketing team. And though my title says I'm VP of marketing, I can do a lot more for this company because my team is so strong.
0: You talk about a type A group. If there's one word to describe Cobra and Puma, it would definitely be aggressive. But at the same time, I think the second word would probably be fun because it is a fun company, but it's also about making the game more enjoyable.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, we we keep it light. We have a good time no matter what we're doing, whether it's a small event or large event, whether it's a meeting or, whatever, or, or or just a, a get-together, we have a good time. That's one of our things, right? Our, our big thing at our company that we had at the front door for many years, as you saw when you walked in, was enjoy golf. And that's what golf is supposed to be. It's supposed to be fun, no matter what your handicap level, whether you're scratch golfer, tour level, or you know a beginner or higher handicapper. We're, we're trying to make products that are fun for you. We, the, the way we have it set up in here is, if you can't have fun while you're doing it why 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 are you doing it so we we try to have a good time
0: and that shows itself in some of the various lines that you have with the yes, you have the speed zone line, but then you also have down to the f max line you've got t rail irons, you've got different options for different players that allow them to play their game
1: and that's true, Ralph, but I want to make sure that people out there hear it first, you know it starts with innovation for us. it always starts with products that have to perform at that level because everybody today we're very lucky like when I started golf nobody had speed meters much less launch monitors today today if you go get a fitting if you're going to hit a golf club if you're not hitting in front of some tool that's telling you what your speed launch angle spin rate your dispersion all of that you're probably making, you're not doing yourself a service by not having that because you can really be that discerning golfer and get clubs that are perfect for you. And like you said, everybody's different. Uh, A higher handicapper person needs different things than a scratch golfer. An older or slower swing speed golfer needs a different club than a fast swing speed golfer. But we make technologies for all. Our F maxes are made super light lighter swing weights, lighter weights overall to help generate speed. The better player products are a little heavier, made to keep that speed under control. And we have everything
0: in between, but it always starts with innovation first. The thing that really helps with innovation is having a talented team. You work alongside Tom Olsavsky, Mike Yagley. They really keep things on the rails to keep the latest innovation pumping out. Absolutely, I mean, Yagley. Is our vice president in charge of innovation
1: and he has a great group of guys who I was just on the phone with before you and we're talking about 2023 innovations and beyond you know what's possible what should we do how do we package it in and then Tom Osavsky's group is in charge of the of the CAD designs ID'ing that taking what an innovation team brings up and makes possible taking that and putting it into industrial design what does it look like and making It into CAD to make it feasible so that we can put it out there to to other people to the masses is what his team does and then my team in that whole time is chiming in so that we can take a innovation a story and really bring it to life how do we tell people about this innovation how do you tell somebody that your driver faces are the only ones that are milled. And not only are they milled on the front, but they're milled around the perimeter. What does that do for you, right? Talking about that stuff and bringing it to life, whether it's a commercial or at retail or through social media is what the marketing team does.
0: I wonder as a creator, which you are, as you go back and look at clubs that you've designed, do you see maybe a story a continuity that shows we got here, but I really have been building in this direction over the years in a similar path, and that it the technology allowed me to do more and more and more of the of the same kind of ideas.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's it's been consistent. I think if you look at myself and even Tom, because Tom. Tom Osavsky came from Titleist. He went to TaylorMade as well. Now he's here at Cobra. You know, Yagley was uh, aerodynamicist for for a, a rocket company, right? And then he went to Callaway for golf balls. And we all have similarities in the things that we see that are paths to better performance. I would say an answer to your question is, like for example, on drivers, I've been a big pusher at this company because I learned at it somewhere else that. Low center of gravity is going to get you better transfer of energy. And low center of gravity gives you low spin. I also am a big believer in most golfers don't hit golf clubs in the center of the face. You must combine that with high MOI to give you stability and off center hits. So that is a constant trend that you've seen in our product lines and product lines I've worked in before that, whether it's an iron or even a, 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 a driver right? Speed is number one. Fine. We're going to de- design face plates, whether it's yesteryear was just a plate that sat on a, a, a body. Now it's a face plate that's shaped in a form of an L where not only are you welding it on the front, you're welding it on the sole. Those will continue to be there and we're going to continually evolve speed and speed foremost. But also with that, there's three pieces of the pie, right? It's not just ball speed, it's launch angle and spin rate and Dispersion, and I think you could see through the stuff that I've been a part of that there's some consistency in
0: delivering those things as an overall package. Another thing that jumps out to me in talks we've had over the years is your ability to incorporate some technologies that are kind of really they're Cobra, um, whether it's on the wedges—the little notch in the back—that is an original Cobra design, or in the metal woods and the hybrids with the rails that there are things that are inherently cobra that i imagine you're like wait a minute we can incorporate this technology that 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 is our brand and it's going to make it even better yeah
1: you know it, it's really easy to take products and technologies that have been very successful and actually work and, and use them right mm-hmm. you can incorporate new grinds on a wedge and they help you but if if this notch that was given to us um, in the past, by you know, by um, Phil Rogers, it helps, right? It helps a wedge not sit up so high at address and not not give you the appearance of such high balance. It allows you to help slide the wedge underneath in the bunker a little bit more. So why wouldn't you continue that? It's an iconic um, piece that that stays constant in your wedges. If it works, it works. And you know, when we started the co- when the company was founded in 1973. In 1975, rails were the one of the first things that this company had in a what they would call then a utility utility club, uh, a five hybrid or four hybrid. It was all made out of brass, but you know, back then, imagine this being at a PGA show, where they they walk outside to the parking lot and they put a golf ball on the concrete, and the owner of the company challenges everybody to hit a golf ball off the pavement towards the cars. How many people take them up on that? Nobody. But um, when Tom Crow hit one off the ground and it quickly got the ball up over the cars, no problem, and did it again and, and again, people quickly began to see how rails could help a club glide off of any lie. And, you know, he's the smartest one, smartest man that rail was all brass. It was really, really heavy. So the CGs were so low, of course the ball is going to get up in the air. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, having that technology continue today, we use it as, you know, a rail keeps the leading. What, what slows down the club the most during a swing is when the club hits the ground. I think we can all agree there. The moment, the leading edge of a club hits the ground, the, the speed goes away. Um, and in fairway woods and hybrids, that's one of the hardest clubs to hit, lower lofted clubs. And when you put rails on them, it keeps the leading edge out of the ground, gives you a lot of forgiveness, but also keeps your speed up. And that's a secret to, to, to having the ball compress and come off the face is, is
0: speed at the time that the club is traveling. You've had a lot of successful lines in recent years, a lot of successful products. But do you think that the Cobra brand is still underappreciated in the marketplace? Because it seems to me that every year it's like, you know, what's really surprising is this Cobra driver is really good. Well, I've heard it for five straight years. At some point, it shouldn't be a surprise.
1: Yeah, I mean, let's face it. There are some giants in this business of golf. You know, I've worked for a couple of them. When you have brands like Titleist, Callaway, Ping, and TaylorMade, who are the largest brands, and and honestly with that this is no disclaimer they can market a lot more you know when you're a billion dollar brand you can afford a larger marketing uh uh budget and you can tell your stories much louder their microphone their their loudspeaker is probably louder than cobras today that's easy to say but I think over time, what you've seen is our successes grow because we continue to put out innovative new product lines, and when people get their hands on it, they're pleasantly surprised. Should they be? I'm glad they are. Um, I think today, you know, two years after or a year after um, F9, people are not so surprised about our drivers. Mm -hmm those people who've been playing our Cobra irons for years. I mean, you got to remember in 1995, Cobra was the number one selling iron in golf with the first oversized club, right? Um, and and in, in the middle of the 2000s before Cobra was bought by um, a Kushnet brand uh, or it was owned by a Kushnet brand before it was bought by Puma, there, there was some really good irons in the business as well. But back then, it was a seniors and women's positioning. So that's the difference, right? Being positioned as a seniors and women's brand for underneath title list, that's what who knew Cobra back in the day. And today, where are those seniors? Some of them are still playing golf. Some of them, unfortunately, have passed. So a lot of who knew Cobra the best back then are gone. Mm-hmm. So now you look at here we are in 2020, and – We are creating new people that are Cobra fans, whether they're young in their teens because they love Ricky Fowler in their 20s and they recognize Ricky Fowler, Bryson DeChambeau, or even the older folks who who know that Greg Norman's a part of our company and are just rediscovering our efforts and our innovation. Yes, it's gonna take a while. We're in it for the long haul. Um, we're not trying to be the largest and number one company. We're trying to be the best game enjoyment brand in golf. And if you were to say that was a measurement tool, I would say we're leading that, right? Everything we do, both on the club side, in, on the apparel and footwear side, I think is leading in game enjoyment, meaning that there are cool stuff that works. They are things that people, when they try, they're like, I've never seen it. This is cool. I tried these shoes for the first time. They've never felt this. Shoes have never felt this good to me. And the fit and style of these clothing is is unbelievable. So I think we're firing on all cylinders. And it's a matter of time before we see even more growth. I mean, our metalwoods have really been showing growth as of late. Um, The irons with our one length irons have really um, come on strong. And uh, our shoes
0: and our bottoms are fantastic. So really, really good spots to be in. As somebody who creates and then somebody who markets, do you think you bring an extra something to the marketing side in a story that can be told? I mean, a lot of times you, you you tell marketing folks, this is what we're going with and they create a concept, but you're actually in the process for both things to say, this is what's really cool about this product.
1: Um, I don't know. I think it's a strength definitely right when you're when you're part of the cooks when the cooks cooking the stuff and then you walk it out to the people who are going to eat it you can tell them exactly what you did I think that's a strength for sure Mm -hmm. um that's a great example I, I think I think that yes it's a strength being able to be part of the guys who are innovating and being the storytellers on the outside complete strength and we do that on both sides um, you know, I, I head up marketing for the Puma side, as you know, as well, but I have a brand manager who loves being engaged with the development team on the footwear and apparel side. That being said, Grant Knudsen, who heads up our apparel, footwear, and accessories efforts as, the, as like the Tom Osaski of apparel and footwear, he's a great marketeer, too. So he, too, brings over his thoughts and ideas of marketing, and we collaborate. I think that's what's the strength of this company is I think you could say blurred lines. There are no lines. You know, everybody's helping everybody. We, we run as, as you know, a smaller ship than most companies. People are doing multiple things, two, three jobs that they, they help each other with. And because of that, the handoffs, you know, in a race of a, a, a four person handoff, sometimes the handoffs of the baton are muddied and can be dropped. We see less of that.
0: Because we're, we're cross-functional, and I think to your point that that is a strength. Uh, one place our listeners may see you is in videos promoting the newest clubs, especially when you're working with Ricky Fowler. Got it. Uh, talk talk about what effect he has both on the marketing direction, but then also in, in club design. First, let's let's
1: state it. This is a face for radio. This podcast, awesome. The moment you put my face up, you've lost the initiative. OK, my, so, my YouTube
0: views would disagree, but uh, continue.
1: <laughs> so, yes, I, I do get to work with some of the greatest players in the game and talk with them about the products, introduce them to the prototypes and let them hit them. I, I you know, like, for example, this year in early April, um, we are going to launch a new product line in January. As you guys always know, we replaced the King line, whether it was F6, F7, F8, Speedback. Now it's Speed Zone. You know we're going to have something come in January, in April of this year. Uh, it was during pandemic time, but still, Ricky and I and our tour guy Ben Showman got on the phone together and we discussed. You know the prototypes that were in front of him. We shipped them to him. He looked at the colors. He he looked at the technologies. I explained the technology to him. He had questions about sound, feel, shape, all that stuff. So, am I in those videos? Y- yes, I'm the. I am the side puppet that gets them the, the limelight and gets them to say the right things. That's all I am.
0: And when you work with somebody like Bryson, I mean, when I had Tom Olsavsky on the show earlier this summer, and he talked about that he might get a call at 11 o'clock at night from Bryson about a club. It's a different thing. He brings a totally different perspective to equipment and to the game. Which one, Tom or Bryson? Bry- Bryson. <laughs> <laughs> they both do. They're both, they're, they're
1: both mad scientists, right? But yes, Bryson brings a whole new level of, of um, being inquisitive to the game, right? Never, under, never underestimate his ability to go beyond what is possible to make this game not only easier for him, but easier for everybody else. That's his goal. I've had many dinners with Bryson him, listen, buddy, what's your goal? In the end result, when you leave this world, what do you want to leave? You know, you want to leave like ma- multiple major winners and all that. He's, and he, of course, he wants that. But what he loves in this game, similar to me, making the game easier for other people, he would like to make the game easier for more people. Whether it's one length getting more popular, whether it's designing a a a, a driver or an iron that makes it a lot easier to hit. A golf ball, 220 yards, 250 yards, whatever your yardage is that you struggle with, that's his goal is to make something easier to do. And I I applaud him for that. You know, he's not just in it for himself. Of course he is. He wants to be the best. And first and foremost, he's got to play great, but he's always looking out for other people too. And will he call you at 11 o'clock at night? Not me so far. But yes, he will call guys like Tio and Tim down in R&D. I always get the cool texts and calls at the more timely timelines, not
0: not not at eleven o'clock at night. I think back to believe it or not, the first interview we did was talking on camera, was talking about junior clubs, and it really fits into what's important to you is getting people to understand the game. And you think back to that interaction you had with Roger Dunn about making a game fun that everyone could enjoy even kids. Yeah, absolutely. I mean the um
1: kids clubs, man. You go you went way back on me. I think that was 2009. 2009. It was 2009. Yeah. I remember because I made those clubs. I remember the year. Um yeah. I mean that that was fun. That was a fun interview. Um and and it's always been fun. Just so we're on the same page, it's always been being Always fun being interviewed by you because it's a great back and forth, and I love it. Um, those those are the days, like again, you know, helping somebody be better. You know, kids clubs back then there there is there was there is a great club manufacturer for kids, and 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 you know, U.S. Kids was the place to go. That's where my kids started. But does that only have to be the only place? We thought that TaylorMade at the time we can make a cool set of looking kids burner clubs and we made it and they were awesome. Right. Um, And we developed it with our foundries, the same ones that make the adult clubs in China. And uh, we put out a great set of irons and uh,
0: actually completes that. Right. And I mean, you still have kids sets, you know, now with Cobra.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We develop them. um, And uh, we want to make sure kids get a chance to, to play and get into this game that we all love. You know, that's, that's been the journey forever, right? My, both my kids play golf. My son plays at a pretty good level, um, you know, and, and not having clubs for him would have been terrible. Um, so I love working on clubs for whoever wants them.
0: When I spoke with Tom uh, over the summer, we talked about the changes in remote work. What was that like for you, especially considering the two areas that you work in?
1: I, I would like to say it was easy, but it wasn't. <laughs> you know, thank goodness for Microsoft Teams. That's what we use. And the Teams has really allowed my marketing team to be able to be together even though we were apart. Um, virtual, virtual managing is tough. Luckily for me, I don't have to manage a lot. I have to just mentor and, and chime in where they need my help. But it, it, it has been easy. We found a new way to work. I'm in my office today at, at Cobra, but only because I had to look at products Um, Inside the building, we had to prove some prototypes uh, for next year. But I will say that most of the time I work from my office at home, um, and it presents a whole new uh, bunch of things you need to worry about. You know, my daughter is schooling, and she's taking up Internet on Zoom. We're fighting for, for, for Wi-Fi. She talks. She's a tremendous loud talker, so we're fighting for quiet time. Um, I'm so glad I'm here talking to you because otherwise you'd probably hear her in the background in her room. Um, but as far as work goes, we've really found a way to work well from home. Our engineers have found a way to not be in China and develop next year's 2021 2021's, 2021's products, and they're performing really well in our testing. So we've learned a lot, um, and we're better because of it. Um, so that, that's a little bit of lemon into lemonade right there for you, buddy.
0: Well, and you talk about lemon into lemonade. How about lemon into lemon chicken? Because that's what we have in the golf industry right now. Sales are booming as people are coming back to the game. Not only are they coming back, there's new people
1: taking it up. So all the fringe people, to your point, they're back in. Mm-hmm. And people who are looking to do some outdoors. If you have anything outdoors, you are winning in this second half of this pandemic, right? Bicycles sold out. Skateboards sold out. Camping gear sold out. Golf gear selling out. It's awesome. It's great to be a part of it. And I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, this same time next year, we're on, we're on another podcast and we're talking about how the, the momentum into golf has stayed. And people are are in it to win it. Getting tea times right now are hard because people are playing this game that we all love and I'm and I love it. I'm so glad.
0: I got bad news for you. I'm gonna come after you before a year is up. Uh you're not gonna get away that easy. Uh, now we like to wrap up our time here on the range by asking you to jump in the Wayback Machine. So excluding the current speed zone line, which is the best yet. Is there a club or maybe even a marketing promotion? That jumps out at you as you look back over your career, and you've got a fondness or a nostalgic feeling towards my entire career. Entire, like something that just, you know, what this little club is meant so much to me. Well, you know,
1: you you'd have to say, like most parents would say, their firstborn means a lot to them. Mm-hmm. You know, my my firstborn club was the uh, the the Rack Wedge in two thousand three. Um, all those grinds were from me on a grinding wheel, grinding them for tour players. And I remember tour players saying, uh-uh, or this is cool. And, uh, you know, that type of learning and working with the best players in the world really changed my life. It, it, it gave me a lot of confidence into doing what I do now. Um, and so I would have to say, cutting my teeth on that was really cool. Now. Don't get me wrong. There are a lot of great products since then that I'm super proud of. But if you had to make me pick one that kind of set me off on a journey, that was the sink or swim type of thing that my boss gave me. You're either going to be really good at this or you're going to really suck at this and you're going to be doing something else for a living. So I think that one told me that I I had a, a decent future in the golf business in front of me. And what was your first one at Cobra? My first, my first love at Cobra probably would be that LTD driver. Do you remember that driver?
0: Yeah, it's right there. Yeah, there's a
1: head cover right behind you, right? <laughs> so the LTD driver for us was really cool. Uh, first driver, I mean, you talk about a company, a guy who believes in movable weight technology. That driver had no movable weights. You're talking about, you know, a company that fancies itself in all these things. We did something very different, right? Yagly put some pieces into a box and put it up in the space station and we learned how to electroplate certain types of pieces and, and then we worked from that on how to develop um, a driver that you could actually see on the inside of driver. You've never seen the inside of a driver ever before. That driver allowed you to see the crap and the junk on the inside. Why? Because we wanted to bring it to you in the inside of a driver so you can see the back of the face, how good the face of that driver was. We wanted to have a, a, something cool underneath that somebody could interact with, take off and look in and put it back in. And that driver was a beast when it came to the spin, the speed, and the launch of that driver. It's still a driver we look at today and say, this is one of the best that's ever been out. First zero CGNA driver. For those of you guys who don't know what that is, that meant that the CG was right on the, the equal to the center of the head, which means more ball speed, higher launch, more, less spin. And that was the thing that a lot of companies saw. And now they're trying to get there, right? And so for me, that one really showed off what we had been working at at Cobra for three years leading into that. From 2013 to 2016, we had been on that long journey, and that was one of the coolest products to ever bring out to Marketplace for me.
0: Well, and it set a high bar for your tour players that you had to exceed for it to get out of their bags. Yeah, Bryson was playing it for a little while, This just last year. Yeah. He
1: was like, oh, this is one of the greatest drivers ever. I, I like it. Can I play it again? I'm like, no, we have to find something better, and thank goodness we did. But uh, yeah, it's a great one.
0: Well, Jose, it always is great talking to you, especially every time we talk, there's something new that you have that's exciting to share. So thank you for, for, for joining us. You're really a part of something special there at Cobra Puma Golf. Thanks,
1: Ralph. Always great to be on with you. Thanks for putting me in such a great light. I wish my wife
0: and kids could hear the way you talk about me as an example of a better way to treat me. <laughs> That was Jose Miraflor, the director of marketing for Cobra Puma Golf, joining us here on the range. The first time I met him was via email. Like I said, he was helping me to build some wedges from across the country. And his insight into technology, but also the marketplace, is truly exceptional. He's been a big part of that company's success. He's also quite simply a fantastic guy. And I always enjoy our times talking together. Before we go, the latest statistics from Golf Data Tech are out from August. And not surprisingly, the equipment industry remains red hot. Sales of all equipment rose 32% when comparing 2019 and 2020 numbers. The previous August record for gross sales was in 2006 at $287 million. 2020 saw 331 million in sales, obviously a massive increase over the previous all time high. Specifically, record sales were achieved in golf balls, irons, wedges, gloves, and bags. Get this, golf bag sales soared 55% over 2019. What does it mean? Well, we already know. People are returning to the game in record numbers. We see it at our local courses, which are likely as busy as anyone can remember. So do your part to be inclusive and welcome these new players in. Talk to folks you may be paired with or see out on the range. If they're coming back, embrace them with open arms. Metaphorically, of course, got to maintain that social distancing. And have a bit of patience for both the returning players and those just picking up the game. It is a changing world of golf, but a healthy golf world is better for us all. If you want to know more about golf equipment, subscribe to us on YouTube at The Golf Spotlight. For the latest on the range, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. That's right, it's The Golf Spotlight, and we welcome your comments there any time. Now you've listened this far, so subscribe to the range on iTunes or follow us on Spotify or iHeart. We have new shows dropping every Wednesday. That will do it for this episode of the range. So let's hit the course. But don't be afraid to be a bit aggressive. Why not? We'll talk to you next time, right here on The Range.
1: Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies.